Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. For most of us, when we decide that we're going to law school, we have zero idea what type of lawyer we want to be. I know that that was the case when I started. Usually, what most of us know about being a lawyer basically comes from Law & Order or Legally Blonde. Shout out to our girl, Elle Woods. So, if you're thinking about going to law school or already in law school and want to get some clarity about what types of law actually exist out there and what type of law might be a good fit for you, then we have just the thing for you. A longtime friend of our podcast and law school extraordinaire, Angela Vorpal, has put together a free What Type of Lawyer Should I Be quiz. And I can't tell you guys how many times when I was in, like, not only law school, but before law school, looking up, like, what kind of lawyer should I be? And I wish that there was, like, a quiz out there. So here it is. And we'll have all the links for you. It's a 90-second quiz designed to give you a window into what your best fit type of law would be. Awesome, right? So you can take the quiz at whattypeoflawyerquiz.com. Hey guys, and welcome back to Ladies Who Law School podcast. I'm Haley. And I'm Sam. And this week we have a very special guest. We made friends with this guy on Instagram, and it just shows you how much and how far-reaching the community is. And, you know, you can become friends with anybody around the world, right? So we became friends with Pater Tot, that's his Instagram name, Peyton Thornton, because he's from Texas and went to school in Oklahoma, he came to visit and we got to record with him in person, guys, and it was so fun. So let's dive in. Hey guys, the ladies here with our friend Peyton Thornton. We are so happy to have you, Peyton. How Hi, are you? I'm glad to be here. Yay! This has been a long time coming, guys. We met through Instagram and social media through this amazing community that we built, and we are so happy to have you here. You're a DC person, loving it up there. Tell us and everyone else a little bit about yourself. Well, I will say, um, you know, via your Instagram connection comment, 
I was just talking with a friend the other day, like we didn't have anything like this when we started law school, right? Like you guys, we're, we were all one L's at the same time. We all experienced six months of like normal law school. And then we went into the pandemic and everything changed, but we just didn't have this whole like secondary market of people talking about law school and law school apparel and things like that just didn't exist. Like we had law school forums and you can really get lost <laughs> in those um, or they can destroy your self-worth. <laughs> we'll <laughs> talk internet. more about that. Yeah. But a little bit about me. Yes, I'm from Texas originally, a small town in the panhandle of Texas. I went to school here in Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma State in Stillwater, go Pokes. And I decided to go to law school in D.C., thinking, oh, I'll be there, the networking value, and I want to be in D.C. Um, I did a congressional internship when I was in uh, undergrad, things like that. Kind of just, yeah, did three years of undergrad, so kind of was one of this... Quick. I am like a, I was born 98, so I'm like a zillennial. But yes, got out in three years. No, I was born 97. Oh my goodness. So I'm like a baby. Oh my God. Wait, how old are you? 24. I love it because... I always tell people, like, I'm always, like, the youngest in my law class, and now that we found, we're like, we can meet together. Yeah, we together. Had, we had so many. Like, we had kids that hadn't turned 21 Are by the time serious? we, like, started. And I think <laughs> I just, like, credit it to, you know, AP classes. Yeah, and, totally. like, I grew up in a small town that had a college where I could do dual enrollment. And it's, like, a very Gen Z thing, I think. I knew that I was going to take out loans <laughs> going yeah, into law school. Yeah, be smart so. about it. So I got my business degree, got out, went to D.C. That's kind of how I got here. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. At what point did you decide, I want to go to law school and I want to become a lawyer and attorney? There was, like, there's no memorable point for okay. me. I, when I was little, everyone was like, oh, he talks a lot. <laughs> they might, you know, you yes. got the, like, yes. Peyton, great student, pleasure to have in class, but... Chatterbox. Like, chatterbox. <laughs> And my dad was a football coach, and he also coached girls track. And all of his track girls would say, like, you're going to be the president, or you're going to go. Like, you're going to be a politician. So I knew from a young age that I wanted to do something in law or politics. Okay. I don't know. It's hard because I I don't think I started college that way. But somewhere along the line, I I decided. Honestly. Well, and with me only doing three years, so I only decided, like, I went down and did that first year and then a semester and my advisor or whatever was like, you're going to graduate early. I added a major, still was going to graduate early. So I bought some LSAT prep books with like my like scholarship refund. Yeah. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say, it's, a, it's really fun to go around your small town and be like, I'm studying for the LSAT. <laughs> when the books are like sitting in the bottom of your closet. Yeah, as always. <laughs> um, it's not as fun when you're like, Writing your personal statement. And this you is know. really hard, and you're applying, and they're like... letters, yes. Yeah. Getting rejected, getting yes. whitelisted. Like. So, yeah, I mean, at some point, I just thought, I want to help people. I know that I didn't... F- I went to a... You know, I did business school at a state school, so okay. it, it's not like I wasn't challenged yeah. in college. What was but, your major? And you, um, you said I did you had marketing two. and entrepreneurship. Okay, so, cool. In the business school. In the business school at OSU. So do you have any lawyers in your family? Like extended family, right? But like no one some, like close. No one close, right? One of my dad's good friends was an attorney. And I remember like seeing him as like a role model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny because like we as lawyers like view ourselves in this certain esteem. Mm-hmm. Whereas like the rest of the world's like, oh, you're all crooked. And like, you know, you told me you can't. <laughs> true, like, yeah. 
get me what I want in the divorce or whatever. Like it's, but I always thought lawyers are important. Yeah. They are like the community leaders. They're the people that are involved. And so I think from a very young age, especially in a small town in Texas, that was something that like my ambitious side, like I said earlier, I'm a two wing three on the Enneagram. So my wing is, is ambition. And and my ambition side was like, yeah, I want to be the guy who is on this board or serves in the United way or whatever, you know, lawyers were doing at the time in my community. Absolutely. So when you were applying, like, did you have any guidance or were you just like doing it on your own? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So that, that is actually one of the the things I wanted to talk about is, so I am a gay man. And so when I was applying, I was not quote unquote out of the closet yet. Um, And I remember getting, uh, trying to make that decision, right? First gen law student, didn't really have a lot of guidance. I didn't do the pre-law program at OSU because I was just in and out of there so fast. And I remember trying to look for like resources regarding like, how do I come out? in my law school mm-hmm. application. I was p- applying to some schools here in the South that I was like, uh, I don't know if I want to be out on this application. And I remember like looking on the LSAC website and they've got this video from like 2010. <laughs> of course. And it's like called like out in the workplace or whatever, right? Uh, needless to say, it's like very archaic at this point <laughs> yeah. in 2022. And so there just wasn't, and you can't even get to it from their main page, right? It's like you have to go like, type LGBT Mm -hmm. in a search bar somewhere to get to this landing page that has these like few resources. And so that was hard for me because I would say I was at different levels of openness throughout my time in the law school application process and law school. The National LGBTQ Bar just sent out a survey this year. It's like a legal professional survey. And they have a box that's like, how openly LGBT were you to faculty during the application process, mm-hmm. to other students, to employers, to, you know, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it made me think, like, you don't really, you're never just, like, out and it's over with, mm-hmm. right? It's not just one Facebook post. It's not, like, yeah. it's definitely, like, you're choosing these different levels of, like, oh, I don't want this classmate to really know, so I'm not going to, like, share that piece of information with them unless they ask. Or, like, you know, I'm not going to, like, I went to a law school that has, like, a, a large like conservative student population yeah and so there were varying levels I was never like in the closet during law school but I like was not I was very like particular about Mm -hmm. you know what circles I talked about my identity in and so that was was really challenging on top of being in the application process on top of being a first-gen law student because it's like most people and I'm sure the listeners will agree don't even know where to begin with their personal statement always or don't even you know and then you go back and forth between like is this person a good enough wreck and I don't want to ask just professors but I don't have much work experience or vice versa and so okay yeah so a few questions just like you said for the listeners you weren't formally let's say out Mm -hmm. but you in the process of applying talked about that and came out in some of the applications is that what you're saying we'll be right back Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. 
Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frieda McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. Yeah, so I I originally decided not to come out in my law school applications. Didn't write like a diversity statement or anything like that. Yeah. I was applying to some more conservative schools, some of which still to this day don't like our private schools that don't have like a, a blanket like discrimination policy that includes sexual orientation. So I just decided like I think I thought in my mind, like if I'm going to be out on one, I have to be out on all or mm-hmm. whatever. And so initially did not identify myself as gay on my applications. And then my law school that I ended up going to, I applied to like in January. So I put all my apps in, in like November or October mm-hmm. or whenever the period is. And then this one like separate application I put in it like towards January. And that just shows the progress of like probably internally of what I had done from being, I mean, I was 20 at the time. So Absolutely. Yeah. From being, and from a small town in Texas. So. Yeah. You know, just from in those three months, I think I was like, well, this is a long shot. I'll probably get waitlisted at the school, but it's in D.C. and I'm interested. And so the school is George Mason is where I went to law school. So and I wrote a diversity statement and was out on that application. And that just ended up being the school that I ended up going to. So, wow. That's kind of perfect. It is. I mean, it really is such a great representation of everything happens for a reason. And I love that you even you know, can think back and say, I was 20 years old, the growth that I had from November to January, you did do the diversity statement. It's just, it's beautiful. Also like, duh, you wanted to go to the school in DC. Like that was like your calling the whole time. Right. So I think that it was a no brainer probably when all the the stars aligned. Yeah, it was for sure. DC is wonderful. Like I said, there were some things that definitely shifted because of the pandemic. I, I still felt like I got the networking value, but over zoom instead of like when we first started, it was like you could shake people's hands and there were, you know, federal government officials and lawyers from big firms coming every week for like a lunch and learn or whatever, right? Like pizza, Chick-fil-A, typical 1L mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So let's talk about law school. I want to know. Yeah. yeah. So tell us how was your 1L? Like walk us through all the way up until pre-pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> 1L, just like I'm sure and everyone else feels was hard and I didn't click with it immediately. I've always liked to write and I was like, oh, I'm going to kill legal writing because (laughs) I've always been a writer. Yeah. Wrong. Like, um, you know, there were some lessons for me to learn in those, those months. I never felt inadequately prepared for class. Like I did all my reading. I checked all the boxes that everybody else had to check, but like just didn't go into 1L with the mindset of someone who like knows how important 1L grades are or how important the grind.
grind is and like supplementing your studies. And like, so I was reading. Supplementing your studies. But I wasn't, right. I wasn't going through property practice questions in the book on my own. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't getting E&Es. Yeah. I think that there's this big misconception at the beginning that you're, I mean, I was told to treat it like a job, but it's ironic because I never really did that until the end. But when you're done at three or whatever after class, like going and supplementing your studies is like the most important part of law school, I think. But also we had professors that were like, don't buy the horn books or don't get the E&Es, like, but we've always been advocates for it. So, Well, and I feel like it's the only way to truly learn the law because it's so hard to understand what the hell they're talking about at the very beginning. I just think back to torts and I couldn't even pronounce negligence, right? Like I'm just thinking <laughs> yeah. to that person who I was, I had no idea what I was doing. And I think that there were a lot of times I just felt like, oh, I have free time, but really I just didn't know how to guide myself. I didn't know what to do for myself. I didn't know I was supposed to be doing something. Well, and I think too that, so like regional schools around here and having grown up in Texas prepare you a lot more for practice and like practice-based lawyering. Whereas I felt in DC that it was very philosophical and it was Mm. very like, my torts professor assigned a 50 page law review article on the first day of reading. And it's Mm. like, I, I didn't even understand the purpose of a law review article. Or like <laughs> At that time, yeah. Terrifying. And so it's like, and he was like a philosophy PhD. Like he wanted to, torts as wrongs and like to have the intellectual debate. And, you know, when you get up into these competitive circles, a lot of students, a lot of the people there are lifelong students. Some yeah. of them do have PhDs. Like they're going to school because they got a full tuition ride and might as well get a JD. And so it's mm-hmm. like, that's intimidating too, right? Yeah. From my like Texas public high school education. like Totally. And so again, just like you said, like the, you don't even really understand the purpose of the supplements and you're just trying to like Google the legal terms in Latin that you don't understand Literally, and like just figure out what you're doing. Yeah. But it's like trying not to drown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you felt like that in your 1L? Oh, 100%. And then, of course, I mean, the pandemic didn't make it any easier. <laughs> we like, we had spring break. Mm-hmm. I was like dog sitting on Rover to like, supplement my income Yeah, for a guy that went to our law school actually over spring break. I remember I came back home on like a Thursday and we got the email that was like, there's this thing, COVID-19, blah, 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 blah. Don't come back. Yeah. We're, we're going to like wait for instruction from us or whatever. And other people's spring breaks are like getting extended. And I was like, oh, cool. Like an extra break, whatever I needed it. Like maybe yeah. now I'll start outlining. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, but we got an email that night around 11 PM that was like, make a WebEx account. We didn't use Zoom. We used WebEx. Make a WebEx account. You know, your legal writing briefs are due still in two weeks. And you've got the first year competition coming up. So, like, see you in class on Monday. And I don't think, like, I don't think that they hung us out to dry. But I think we just didn't know at that point. Yeah. Like, they were thinking, oh, we're coming back in May for, like, Mm -hmm. final exams. Yeah. So, like, this is just a couple weeks of on, on, like, conference call equipment. And little did any of us know that we would be you know, we would never go back to fully having all law school classes in person. I don't think they still are. Like, I think they still have some, still some hybrid. Yeah. Wow. So a lot of schools went pass fail that semester. Did your school also do pass fail? Yes. So we went to, my school was in the top 50. So there was this big debate about whether or not it would like affect our ranking. 
So we went to this like modified pass fail grading system. It was opt in, mm-hmm. opt in credit, no credit. Okay. So you got your grades back and then you had a couple of days to decide whether you wanted to show them or not. And that like, you know, like Cinderella, like when the clock struck midnight, they converted if you didn't like say that you wanted them to show. I ended up showing all of my grades because OC, we thought OCIs were coming mm-hmm. up. And I was like, well, what does it look like if I walk into the room after someone who showed their grades? Yeah. No, I mean, I remember like, thinking that exact thing. I was like, I'm so glad I don't have to do that because I can only imagine how bad I would feel if I did no credit or credit, no credit, and then was going against people with grades, you know? Right. I think it just kind of... Um the competition aspect, it makes it almost worse in that sense, you know? No, absolutely. Oh, well, okay. So how were your grades whenever the first, like, were you shocked after semester one? So after semester one, I was shocked. I didn't perform like I wanted to, but I never really bought into the, so there's like the people who write you off in law school, right? Yeah. Um, sometimes like faculty <laughs> that are like, oh, yeah. yep. You like really didn't do well the first semester. Like you're doomed. I never really believed in that. I worked hard that second semester, had good grades. Of course, they... So in this grading policy, it didn't move our GPA either way. Mm-hmm. So I did better. But it didn't really matter. Right. And that like distorted oh. the the natural balance of things because obviously there are people that get on their high horse mm-hmm. and, and then do poorly the second semester. But then there are also people who do like... It ignites a fire in them and they... And yeah. of course, like we had... Our structure was weird. So Mason is a law and econ school. So we take law and econ the first semester. Property. Like economics. Torts. Yes. Law and economics, property, torts, legal writing, and contracts one. Okay. And then in the second semester, we take like civ pro, crim, contracts two, legal writing, and legislation and statutory interpretations. Okay. And so... I just did better with those. Like the legislation and statutory interp was really good for also me. Also civil procedure. Yeah. Crim. I liked crim. Like I loved crim. Can uh, you tell us more about your law and econ class? Yeah, what was that like? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's like what the school is known for. Um, there are a lot of people that come in and are like, why am I having to take this? <laughs> Obviously, I'm going into antitrust law. Yeah. But, so yeah. Like, I love this. Um, <laughs> Right, so it wasn't like too bad for me. I was a business major, so I had to take like intro micro econ mm-hmm. classes. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, in undergrad, I think it to me it was beneficial because that was one less doctrinal course where I was trying to learn basically a new language. Right, mm-hmm. yeah, as yeah, as yeah. you all say on this podcast, like it is. It's learning a new language, and it and it doesn't happen in the first semester, <laughs> and it doesn't happen in the first year. No, yeah, like so. I, and I can't imagine if that, like, it was either a two or three hour course. I can't imagine if that had been filled with half a Civ Pro course. That's what I was thinking, because Civ Pro, yeah. yeah. Have you been looking for podcast-like audio lessons to learn about law school? I know when we were in law school, we were begging for something like this. Well, we found just the resource for you, and they are amazing, guys. We've been working with Barcast Audio for over three years now, so basically since we were 1Ls. Now that we are baby little soon-to-be lawyers, we can definitely say that it was worth our time to get Barcast Audio. So if you want to check it out and learn about all the core subjects and the MBE subjects, definitely go to BarcastAudio.com. And Haley, will you tell our listeners their special code? 
Yes. Use code LADIES, that's L-A-D-I-E-S, at barcastaudio.com to get 10% off your next purchase. Wait, wow. so y'all y'all split it up? like Two sip pros, two, pros, two contracts, two contracts, two torts, and then property in spring. Yeah. And then crim in the spring, too. So we had property, crim, civil procedure, two contracts, two, when COVID hit. Oh, yeah. That's rough. And I think that we really... Um, we didn't learn property. No, we didn't learn property. So there was a lot. There was a big <laughs> learning curve this summer. <laughs> we'll get to that later, but yeah. yeah. There was a big learning curve this summer, right? Like, so it's interesting to know how everyone breaks it up. I think that's what I think people really like to hear that. Because I know OU law, like, for example, con law, they only take con law one, right? Only con, it's, there's only one con law. There's only one contract. See, we only do one con law, and it's in your 2L fall. Okay, yeah. So, like, but we don't require, actually, I was talking to one of my friends that was from Oklahoma City. We don't have to take evidence. I was so thankful. I took evidence this spring as a 3L spring, and it saved my life on the bar exam. Yeah, I I bet it did. My professor was so good. He was, uh, he's a litigator in Mm -hmm. D.C. He taught the night course, so it was, like, me and some LLM students, and, like, Chef's kiss, like I would have died <laughs> yeah. without having taken evidence. Because all my friends that took it 2L fall mm-hmm. were basically relearning it. Yeah, you needed to like yeah. know that before. Yeah, for sure. I can't even, oh my goodness. Okay, law school. You, after your first semester, you did well. Grades are better, right? Um, did you do OCI? How did you, I know you did moot court. And you participated in a lot of different things in law school. So I want you to share about how you got into that stuff and what exactly you did. Yeah. So um, I'm like a theater kid law student. So I went out for both trial ad and moot court and, and did both during 2L. The thing is, we were all sitting around in our homes, like in yeah. our pajamas, like having wine by 4 p.m. So it's like, <laughs> literally, we... <laughs> There wasn't anything else to do but, like, write onto a journal and yeah. go out for moot court. Otherwise, you were just, like, binging Tiger King and, <laughs> and bored out of your mind. Like, remembering your days in Oklahoma <laughs> for college. Like, they, right. And so I never saw it as, like, we actually had a really low turnout for write on my year. And I thought it would be the opposite effect. Like, I was like, oh, we're, like, this is the only thing keeping me sane. And, yeah. like, not that, like, you know, doing a closed legal research problem is fun per se when you're 21 or 22. (laughs) Like it was the thing that was like giving me something to do each day. And so I did, I did that. Our OCIs got pushed back. So things were still in the air in fall of 2020. So they were going to be in January of 2021 and they were going to be virtual. Still less firms. Firms didn't know like what their hiring numbers were Mm going to be and all that. It's so much in the air. Well, and the thing was, is like OCI was a complete flop really for us. Like I didn't know too many kids who got an offer out of the process in my class, at least. Like I said, less firms, crazy time just to be alive, (laughs) right? I remember, you know, we're coming off the edge of 2L fall. So 2L fall, fall of 2020, you've got to think. DC's boarding up because of the election, yeah. thinking people are going to riot in the streets. Yeah, we've we're on. We've just come off of BLM summer, mm-hmm. and like that caused a lot of like discord in mm-hmm. um, DC. And we're like trying to do moot court and write our journal comments and con law, and so and Mason has a two year legal writing program, so we're doing a semester of appellate writing where we're writing. We literally wrote three appellate briefs. 
Honestly, I would have. Yeah. Honestly, that that's nice. I wish we would have had more writing because you know one yeah, year is not. It's yeah. wonderful on this end of it. Oh, dear, you know, yeah, I bet you're right. like, this During is the it. worst <laughs> yes, thing yes. you've ever done to me. Yeah. And I actually loved my appellate writing professor. I mean, she was amazing, but we, it was just a lot. And like, I was like, you know, eating like a cheeseburger from the 7-Eleven each night at like 11 o'clock and like starting to open my con law textbook for the next day. Like yeah. it wasn't, it wasn't enjoyable. But so we came off of that. We have the January OCIs. Less firms show up. Don't really know what their numbers are. Um, I remember I had one where, like, the girl, like, missed my time for my screener interview. Yeah. And so we had to set up another, another nice, I've been in Texas, I sound like a southern. <laughs> I, we had to set up another one, and she, like, came in, like, a headband and, like, a sweater. And I'm, like, sitting in my suit and tie in the school, like, with my Zoom camera all, like, I've stacked law books to, like, yeah. make sure that my... And so I just felt like it was kind of a very weird time to go through OCI, which of course it rebounded. Like all of those students who are my great, like my high school graduating class that are, that are the year below me, they got offers out of OCI. I've been talking to one L's now or rising two L's now that have gotten offers um, and callbacks, but it just wasn't like successful for me. Yeah. Um, Again, my grades weren't strong from that first semester. I didn't have. And so I hadn't written going to a big firm off, but I was like, okay, I'm going to explore my other options. That being said, I ended up getting my my job through net, networking. I was like really into antitrust Twitter throughout law school. Um, the partner that hired me found me on Twitter, was like, you seem to know your stuff, messaged me on LinkedIn, wanted to get coffee at the Starbucks across from the school. This fall, I went and met him for coffee, like stressed out, but thinking, okay, it's a networking opportunity, whatever, and like ended up getting a job offer out of it. Oh my so, gosh! I'm I'm a bad person to ask for like OCI advice. Because no, no. I mean, I I honestly, I kind of just assumed you got your job through OCI, but that's even better. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, because honestly, like OCI is like for such a select few, it works out, you know, and yeah. the rest of us. Have, have to, to network jobs through networking. Yeah. Genuinely, genuinely. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. Even in, if you're, if you're, if an international pandemic happens when you're in law school, it's not even really for the select few. Like, I mean, I know people all throughout, peppered throughout the top of my class that should have swung a job through OCI, and it just so much was in the air, and it just didn't work out. Was a wild time. Which hopefully, for the people listening to this now that are considering going to law school, yeah. you know. Something of the magnitude that we experienced in 2020 won't happen, but you know, keep it in mind because it does, it does happen. I think it's also just really representative that networking is so important. And I love the fact that you have this almost like a hobby, right? You said you like followed antitrust Twitter. And I think at the end of the day where your curiosities lead you is where you're most apt to be successful. And I think that's proof right there, my friend. That's so cool. I can't believe that. That's I want that to happen to me, right? You know, you're like talking to somebody and they're like, hey, I want to meet you. You're like, okay. So that's amazing. So did you work for them? Tell us about... Yeah, when did you start? Like yeah. over the summer? So that happened... Our coffee happened in probably November of 3L. I was, I was on our moot court nationals team, so I was okay. kind of done with trial ad, which is funny because I like trial ad as a theater kid. Like mm-hmm. it's it's the more fun of the two, but yeah. I excelled in moot court. So 
I was on the Moot Court Nationals team. We were um, preparing for our fall competition, which was the New York City Bar competition. At first, I was like, oh, I really don't want, like, I don't have time to do this. But when you're a 3L looking for a job, mm-hmm. you'll chase a lead, right? Um, even if it takes you down, like, a dark alley. I don't know. I mean, it's just <laughs> Genuinely, like, yeah. if someone messages you on LinkedIn and says, hey, I want to get coffee, then you do it. Yeah. Um, so I went and basically did what was the equivalent of a summer there. So I started in January of this year of 2022 and worked through April, like, leading up to finals and graduation. Loved it. Had an offer to come back. Rest is history. Just yeah, just like just like the summers would have, and, and was very happy. You know, I knew I wanted to do antitrust probably from like one L out. Yeah, from the law and e concourse actually. <laughs> yeah. And so you know, I count myself really blessed to be going into an area of law that I chose. Yeah. Um, because I I think I realized how rare that can be. A lot of people don't get to choose the area that they like, and you just pray that like. It's an area that you learn to like. Yeah. Um, I was really split in 1L. I did well in Crim, but I was like, I don't have, I'm just such an emotional person. I don't have the heart. So summer of 2020, we were virtual. I was working and I took a like class with the school online in the evenings called Role of a Prosecutor. And I was like, I'm going to be a progressive prosecutor and I'm going to be, mm-hmm. you know, the, one of the good guys <laughs> and had so many like guest prosecutors come in and talk about like the murder case that they did and all of these things. And I think I was like, I would not be able to like emotionally handle this. And I think that I would be great at it. I was great at it. I was great at playing the government's guy in the trial ad competitions and everything, but I just kind of realized like, this is not what I want to do. Or it would weigh on me too much, and I just don't think I could handle it. And antitrust was right there, so it's weird because I'm like, it was crim law or antitrust. No, I I feel like for so many of us, it's like that. And I like we both went through the same thing where we wanted to do criminal law, and then it's like, I don't know if that's for me. Yeah, but we can get our crim law through podcasts and other stuff, you know. And I will say, I blame it on I blame it on uh, Shonda Rhimes because we are the how to get away with murder generation. Yes, yes, it's not like that. It ended our one L year. Like if the finale was our one L year, and I'm like, this is not what law school is like at all. Like, and that was criminal law. Like that was the class that she taught at the beginning of the show, and I'm like, what? And I mine was expect, not like that. <laughs> I didn't expect to like help my professors cover up murders. Like that's not what I was expecting. But I, I was expecting it. it to be a little bit more like exciting, fun, and exciting. Yeah, than exactly. Same. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree. Anything else you want to talk about in law school? Well, I will say one thing in law school that that I wanted to mention is yeah. that so we went to law school in a weird time, like the state of LGBTQ rights is like progressing more. Mm -hmm. Bostock came out when we like summer after one else, right. Which is like employment discrimination protections federally for gay Mm -hmm. people, which just didn't really exist before that. And so one thing that I think I'm processing now over this bar summer is like, it's really hard to like sit in class and read these cases that are about you and about your rights and then have them like debated on a mate, you know, amongst your classmates. And so that was another thing that I wish there had been more resources for, just like I said, with, you know, the application Mm -hmm. process. And there are more now, like in the application process, the national LGBTQ bar does like a campus climate survey and they have all of these like you know, does the law school have gender inclusive restrooms? Mm-hmm. Do they have a, an LGBTQ student group? Do they have 
scholarships, whatever? Do they give faculty an opportunity to identify? So there are things like that now that that are newer and didn't exist when we were uh, applying, but there's not a ton of like messaging out there that's just like, hey, we understand that it's hard that you're going to pandemic law school and that you have to protect your mental health, but we also understand that it's hard if you're a marginalized group or you're a first generation attorney. I didn't know what to do coming off the end of, you know, a racy discussion in class over something that affects, you know, who I am as a person Mm -hmm. and my identity. And so in preparation for this, I was just thinking about it. And I called one of my besties who she's, she's a straight ally. Mm -hmm. And at a school that does have a conservative student population, I mean, a lot of my friends were, but even just being able to like debrief with them Mm -hmm. or call and like vent or rant was so, so, so essential to me in my law school experience. So I would just say to anyone who's listening, whether you are a straight ally and you, I was just talking to a guy that he was like, well, my best friend was gay and I played on a gay softball league in law school. Like if you're that person for someone, like so important to like, you know, I, I mean, I don't think you have to like stand up and get in a confrontation in class with like some guy that's saying something ugly, but, but, you know, just being there and showing up for your friends, knowing that it's a hard process. And if you are part of a marginalized community, you know, seek out those resources or find people that have kind of, it's funny, like you can tell who's going to be like closer to your personality type just by like laptop stickers (laughs) and like, you know, like what, what someone wears to class, like, so seek out those opportunities because I think having a support system in law school is so, so, so important. Absolutely. So what would you say to our listeners who, I mean, I'm honestly, I feel like probably a majority of our listeners are straight women and even, you know, women who are LBGTQ, I think that, I mean, I feel like we're pretty marginalized after this summer, you know? So it's, I'm just thinking to myself, like, what, what do you say to the girls out there, you know, to be a good, like you said, the debriefing with a friend and like being open. I feel like that might be something that we can do, but what else, you know, is is something that maybe you remember that you were just like, yeah, I really liked that she did that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just, kind of like you said, all about community. Yeah. Um, like I said earlier, I mean, we didn't have the Ladies Who Law School community when yeah, we started yeah, yeah. because two of the people in this room started it. Like, <laughs> yeah. We And, you know, we I had friends that were involved in similar organizations as me and such, but, like, just being able to empathize and getting involved, like getting okay. involved in those those student groups, our LGBTQ student group, we had, like, a, a disability inclusion student mm-hmm. group. Yeah. That was very active. Um, we also had, I mean, there was a lot of stuff that went on the summer of the George Floyd murder mm-hmm. yeah. where like student groups were making statements with the school and stuff like that. So, I mean, really the best thing you can do is surround yourself with good people, like surround yourself with people that you know are allies. And and yeah, and yeah I, that's the thing is like, I don't have great advice to give to to the women who are listening as far as like you don't have to go get in a knockdown drag out fight <laughs> yeah. the fed sock bro <laughs> like being ugly in front of your friend, <laughs> yeah. even though you want to right um like you still we obviously are in this like respectable profession where yeah. 
we we do have to maintain a level of civility even when people are saying things that just like rattle us to our core and so but that doesn't mean that you can't personally relationship build with those people with the people who are affected or the people who are hurt and like you said when you get into like intersectional identities like you may be hurt by that yourself and yeah. i always found it like it it wasn't really hard for me after class to go up to someone that i saw rolling their eyes yeah. while someone was saying something ugly just and just being be aware like, almost hey, in the classroom yeah, yeah. like want to go get coffee later or drinks and yeah. like talk about how what the dumb heck? that was <laughs> yeah <laughs> no for sure and i think also like the law is just going to attract some you know unsavory people you know so it's you know as like you said a community finding the people that you can lean on is like so important because we've seen so many people are just so to to practice tolerance really does make you a better advocate there have been people in law school and life who i'm just like yeah we don't jive but they're like smart people and they can back up their position and like i respect them and i think at the end of the day it's like it doesn't make it hurt any less or it doesn't make me, you know, it doesn't make it any easier when you're doing your first year oral argument over WebEx because, you know, we don't even know if we can leave our houses. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't make it any easier, but I do think throughout the process, I, I was kind of forged under a fire. Like it does make you a better attorney because you can anticipate what other people are going to say. You can anticipate the counter argument. And so it's like, well, I don't want to give like free reign to people who are like, I want to play devil's advocate. <laughs> like, and we, we all see those memes, right, on the meme pages and stuff. But it does make you more able to empathize. And I think a better attorney for your client, a better attorney for your position. So I don't know, maybe I'm just trying to see the silver lining in it all. But that's, that's how I felt in my three years. So going back to something you said earlier about, oh, that I was the kid who talked too much. Yeah. Were you ever the kid who argued? Yes. And like, I um, am very much like my mother. I am super stubborn. Mm-hmm. And one thing law school taught me is that I had to learn that I'm not always right. Yeah. Shocker. <laughs> um, don't know how long like, that effect will last in, in my, my attorney life, Same. but um, I'm, I'm not always right. And and one thing I learned from the law, too, is that almost nothing is black and white. (laughs) Like, there is so much gray area to everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, even the fact that I thought I knew everything as, like, a bright-eyed, bushy-tailed 21-year-old going into law school. It's just these three years. We we talked about, like, earlier, you know, aging Mm-hmm. 10 years in the three months of bar prep. Well, you know, I feel like a 56 year old now yeah, from three years that. of law school because <laughs> I just grew so much throughout, throughout the past three years. Yeah. And I was going to say too, that it's ironic as, as young children, we get told, you know, Oh, you talk a lot. Oh, you argue, you'll, you'd argue that the sky's blue. Right. But as you go into law school and as you become a lawyer and attorney, you actually realize that's the worst thing you can do, right? That it's so important to have tolerance, like you said, and it's so important to be, I hate to say it, calculated in your argument and recognize when to be quiet and listen. So that young kid who talked a lot grew up to be this person who is a badass, right? Like I think of it like that, you know, I mean, honestly, I look back on that kid and I think, holy shit, dude, 
I, if you would have told me, Hey, guess what? By the time you're this age, you're going to be a lawyer. And you know, I know that we all thought of it as kids, right? right? Even if it wasn't like the number one plan, I think we would have been shocked. And I think it's, it's really cool to look back and think of that person. Well, and that can be damaging too, because it's like, I've seen how gifted kid syndrome affects people, right? Like just because you're good at arguing when you're like, a seven-year-old doesn't mean that you should go be an attorney. And like right? anyone yeah. listening to this that's like teetering on the edge of like, <laughs> I've been told I should be a lawyer my whole entire life, but I really want to be an artist. Like, yeah, you no. know. And and so um, I imagine those people probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> they're the people that are like, oh, yes, type A, like I want to be a lawyer. But yeah. also, yeah, I just learned that, that like I went into it kind of like I said earlier, knowing I wanted to be an attorney and knowing I had like a calling yeah. towards it almost yeah. and it was going to be my vocation. And there were still times where I wanted to like throw the talent. Oh, for sure. Um, so I can't imagine someone who is like, okay, well, you know, I've made straight A's all throughout undergrad and I really don't feel like I've been challenged. Let me, and there's actually a wonderful, um, YouTuber who she just left big law and she's on YouTube. I've been watching her and she talks about how like law school is like the grad program, like Swiss army knife, because you really only have to have like your LSAT and a personal statement, but you could be any college major. It's not like med school. You don't have to have all of these prereqs. Like you can just, I mean, not impulsively, but almost impulsively like decide that you're going to go to law school Um, and delay entry into the job market and like because you've been told your whole entire life that you're good at arguing or you're sassy or like you talk a lot and I want you to know that that happens every day like someone listening Mm -hmm. honestly is thinking oh my god uh, my mom and my dad this is what they expect of me Mm -hmm. and the thing I say to those people is you have a long road ahead of you longer than the road that we all saw. Right. And we see when we look at back at the, we laughed earlier because we went to law school to pick up our diploma and we see all the one else in there and we're like, Oh my God, the fear that lies ahead for you. Right. And you don't want to scare them. (laughs) But at the same time, like if you don't have the guts to be Mm -hmm. here, I feel like it's a quick process to weed you out. And I I think that that's what happens. And, um, you're right. It is. I like, I like the idea of like, just apply and do it. But once you get in there, they, right. And they Do you have the us out so bad. I mean, mm-hmm. I think so many times they scare the literal piss out of you by saying the things that they do and, you know, giving you a 50-page law review article on your first day. Like, right. what was the intention of that? You know what I mean? Well, and if you've taken out 60 grand in student loans, then you feel like you're stuck. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so I do think it's important, like, I, I, I think society that's a thing, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, you'll make such a good lawyer. Well, you know, throw all that to the wind. You'll make a good lawyer if you want to be a lawyer, yeah, right? And if you put in the time and you study and you do the work. And you want to be here. And I love what you said earlier. I felt like I had a calling. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Truly, I have chills because I think that that is the step it takes. It's. I heard it right before I took the bar. I don't want it. I will do that, right? If you just say, oh, I want to be an attorney. No, I will be an attorney. Just the conviction that you say behind that, right? is just like, holy shit, like that's serious, you know? So when you commit to something, we're type A's, we're, we're whatever we all are on the Enneagram, right? Um, we're achievers at the end of the day. We're ambitious. And I think so many of us um, get in the position where we put a lot of work on ourselves. We uh, put a lot of pressure on ourselves, Mm-hmm. to be in this profession. And that's why I'm really glad that we have 
like you said, this community to talk about these things, to, to give these future grads, the 2025ers, um, you know, a little bit of information because you're right. They're going to be talking about some interesting stuff in class and, you know, pay attention to the people around you and what they look like. And, you know, also if you're the person who's being the asshole, pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, really? don't be self-awareness that people. Yes. I think in like, I love that you said you grew so much in law school because I think so many of us do. You really become aware of yourself. You get confidence in yourself. You really said, and I love that you said vocation because I truly believe that this is a trade. This is something that you can move, you can change, you can mold into your own. And I think, <sighs> I'm just, I'm really proud of us. Like, I'm so proud of us that we've made it this far, but also I'm so proud of all the pandemic kids out there, really. I mean, all of us that just took the bar, I want all of you listeners to know that because um, it's been crazy. Well, and and I said in an interview at one point, talking about being proud of, Mm -hmm. of people in the pandemic, I said in an interview to an interviewer, well, I've learned to be adaptable in this whole situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like a mock interview, so he gave me feedback afterwards, and he was like, I wouldn't say that. Like, everyone's had to be adaptable. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, well, did you have to, like, you know, you, like, we learned mens rea, and then we went to spring break and never came back. Like, yeah. it's not... I never learned any other crime. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like, you know, and then we did all of these, like I said, moot court competitions where yeah. judges are telling you, fix your camera, fix, go buy a, like microphone like it's still supposed to look like it's in a courtroom and I'm like I'm in my $1,400 a month apartment in DC and like you're lucky you don't hear my roommate's dog yeah during argument like and it just the thing is is that no one I feel like in the legal profession really understands that and yes there's working from home but there's also law school from home I think that law school from home is a whole nother you know once you're working from home once you've already let's say all the people that are just practicing attorneys during COVID like you've already done the work you know you've already done law school you've taking the bar. You don't have much to worry about, but like when you're in law school, like it's, it, they also make you feel like it's, you know, everything's on the line. Yeah. So, you know, to be going through such a tough process in a pandemic, it's not easy. Yeah. You know? Such an unknown time. And I think it's like, yeah, maybe everyone has to be adaptable, but not everyone had to be adaptable in a time where they didn't know what was going to happen. Like every three months, everything was changing. Everything It was like we never really had something to hold on to for a good portion of our 1L and 2L year, you know, and sometimes even longer. Well, and I'm lucky, or I consider myself lucky because like I'm a K through JD. Like I don't have a mortgage payment. I don't have a husband. I don't have kids. I mean, I had non-traditional friends that were, you know, one of my friends was raising her 11-year-old. My other friend was raising his... Um, he's had his second law school baby. So he had, his wife had a a son. He has a a girl and then his wife had a son right in the middle, like between 2L fall and spring. Mm -hmm. And then they just recently had a newborn in May, like right around when we graduated and started studying for the bar. (laughs) (laughs) And I saw people, I mean, they had to like figure out daycare and do all of these things. Like he was like waking up and, and he's ex-military. So he was waking up at like four in the morning because those were the best like Civ Pro reading hours without like newborns crying. Right. Yeah, totally. Um, people were posting, I saw like printing off word documents that are like the house has to be quiet at this time and posting it on their refrigerators because they were at home with their three siblings and their parents. Yeah. 
I had a friend, one of my best friends in law school, she, her mom started mowing the lawn during one of our exams, 1L. And her older sister, who was a 3L when we were a 1L at a different school, ran out there and was like, cut it off. Cut it off. <laughs> like she's taking a, you know, she's taking a crim law exam or whatever. Yeah. yeah. All right, Peyton. So tell everyone where you plan on working after and when you are going to start working now that I think about it. Yeah. So I've just been hanging out in Texas and Oklahoma, enjoying my break. I needed it, right? Like my body was waking me up at like 7 a.m. for like a week after the bar, like it's time to study. So I'll be at a law firm in D.C. doing antitrust law in their antitrust section. Um, I really love it. You know, I'm I am blessed to be with a firm that does put an emphasis on diversity and inclusion, um, and to be you know doing what I want to do in my field of law in D.C. I don't know how long I'll stay in D.C. if I'll be there. I mean, I love it. Yeah. Texas and Oklahoma just aren't looking like where I want to be for the foreseeable decade. So um, I'm excited about that. I'll I'll start like in the second week of September. So they gave me some time off to to celebrate and relax and enjoy my life. And like I said, it was it was much needed. Are you gonna have to wear a suit every day? No, it's it's pretty like casual. Um, I'm sure there will be some days course, with like client meetings and stuff, but. Um, for the most part, you know, uh, biz- business casual is will, will yeah. fly. So, I mean, it honestly, it's just about as hot in D.C. right now and swampy um, as it is here. I, I I don't know which one I prefer. It's like hot here, but it's not as swampy. But then in D.C., it's, like it's really still like in the 90s. And yeah. yeah, like just feels like a sweaty man is hugging you <laughs> when you step out of the, the house. So no, for sure. All right, Peyton. Well, tell everyone where they can find you after this episode if they want to chat with you more. Yeah. So my name is Peyton Thornton. Um, I'm in the Ladies Who Law School community on Facebook, but also my Instagram at is at PaterTot, P-A-Y-T-E-R-T-O-T-T. And of course, always reach out. Um, I'd be happy to chat, um, grab coffee or drinks in the D.C. area. Um, and it's been a pleasure getting to record with you guys. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay, guys, I don't think you understand how excited we were to record with Peyton. We had been honestly planning this for a while because we knew that he was going to come to Oklahoma after the bar exam, which clearly like we all took the bar (laughs) this summer. By now, we already have our results. Peyton doesn't have his results yet, but we are vouching for him. We are fingers crossed for him. Absolutely. Yeah. Also, I think that this episode touches on just a lot of different things in the fact that going to different law schools, going to a pretty badass high ranked law school and what that can look like. Peyton worked his ass off and graduated undergrad in three years and then turned around and went to a very good law school in DC. And whenever he was bringing up economics, I know we were both like, what? And, you know, being a business guy, like he gets it and runs with it and now is working at a huge law firm and doing antitrust. It's just amazing to see how much he's grown and he's such a youngin. It was just so crazy to find out that he was younger than you. I know. I know. Cause usually I'm the youngest one in the room, 
but not this time. And I felt like cool, but also like, oh, I'm am I old? But also like awesome because like we need young people to be running this stuff, you know, get all the old people out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we always joke about it, but the old lawyer has to go, right? We are shaving and bringing in the new generation. And with that is LGBTQIA+. And we learned a lot about what that can look like for someone who is in the process of figuring it out, their identity and who they are and their sexuality and all those things in law school. And he has such a good story. I just was so happy and grateful that he was open and honest with us and vulnerable and talked about different things. And I I really, you know, think that there are other people out there that are going to benefit so much from hearing his story, men and women alike. So we hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Yes. And definitely go follow him. Tell him you loved the episode. You know, name drop him in a review if you want. He would love to know, you know, all of your thoughts about how how awesome he is because he is. Yeah, for sure. And be on the lookout for some potential new merch dropping to go along with our episode this week. So keep your eye out this week. And, you know, as always, get on over to our shop and buy you up some merch because It is getting to be fall, and we have so many cute sweaters that I know that you guys will rock. And you can find all our merch at ladieswholawschool.com. And if you want to follow us on Instagram, it's ladieswholawschoolpodcast. And yeah, stay safe, stay healthy, you know, keep, keep a positive mindset. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.